Matias Yenmark, short-handed goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high. Watt gets the puck off to the races. Into the zone. The righty. Right circle. Backhander. He scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team. Exclusive player interviews and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas, Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace Chapman live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the... Woo! It's a Wednesday. It's hump day. I Listen, I, I know that it seems like it's been the longest week. And for the Golden Knights, when you look at the game last night against the Vancouver Canucks and, and really what you were able to accomplish in a, in a game where it didn't look like you were going to get any points, getting a point out of last night's game was a big step for the Vegas Golden Knights. Not the step you were hoping to take, not the, the beginning of the road trip that you were wanting if you're a Golden Knights fan, but getting at least a point out of a game that really did not look like it was going to produce anything in the standings for you, you'll take that and then you'll go into Calgary and you'll go into Edmonton and you're hoping for a better effort. You're hoping for a stronger performance top to bottom from the Vegas Golden Knights, and that's every single position. We'll get into that in a little bit during the show, but it's also one of those situations where you're hoping for a better Mark Stone and a better Max Pacioretty, players that have come back into the lineup that are trying to reintegrate and get their legs back onto them. For the Golden Knights, you're hoping that games two, three, four, five are going to be better than game number one or, or game number two for Max Pacioretty in this sense. We've got a lot to get to here on this show. We, we, we've we got Dave Shane going to join us here in just a moment. We've got Daryl Evans coming up, uh, the radio color analyst for the Los Angeles Kings. As we talk about the playoffs, we cannot divorce the Vegas Golden Knights from the Los Angeles Kings because to me, based on some of the results you got yesterday in the NHL, the path for the Golden Knights now is the Los Angeles Kings. I look at it, and that's what I keep coming back to. We've got play of the day, official game ratings, one-timers. It's going to be a jam-packed show. We've also got some tickets to give away, Vegas and New Jersey. Keep listening for your chance to win a pair of tickets there. But to start us off, we bring in Dave Shane with the Las Vegas Review Journal. Hey, Dave. Uh, how are you doing? I know that you had some some injury issues maybe a couple of weeks ago. How how's the leg feeling? How you doing? How you healing up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I I got on the lucky side of that one. I think uh, ended up being uh, not as bad as originally feared. So kind of on the tail end of of getting over that and do a little PT and all that good stuff. So yeah, avoided. Uh, Avoided a catastrophe, luckily enough. So, just in time for for maybe the playoffs. We'll see. <laughs> so, it's good that you're on the mend. Um, and for the Golden Knights, they're a team that is is closer to health today than they were just a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, what did you take out of Mark Stone's first game back for the Golden Knights? Just him individually as a player. I mean, I believe what he said afterward, and I, uh, you know, I appreciate his honesty and. You know, he didn't try to, you know, fluff it up or anything. I mean, he said he wasn't very good. Uh, doesn't have his lungs and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I thought there was one moment if he had 
scored on that little sequence where he stripped Quinn Hughes and yeah. had that point blank shot, whether it was that one or the rebound. If he had put uh-huh. that one in, I think maybe we view it a little bit differently. Uh, but I think, you know, the fact that he and Max Pacioretty were wearing, you know, blue third line jerseys, and we can talk about whether they were actually the third line or whatever, you know, you kind of look at the ice time and, and things like that, and it got up to about 17 minutes or so, but a lot of that was the power play, you know, especially in the third period. So, you know, he's, I think, Pete DeBoer is kind of easing him back in a little bit the way they did, you know, and talked about with Alec Martinez and, you know, not trying to put too much on his plate right away. You know, the catch-22 is they don't have a lot of time for that right now. You know, Mark Stone and, and Max Pacioretty, some of these other guys, you know, need to, to get caught up and, and be up to speed as quickly as possible. So, you know, I, I don't think it was a great debut. I don't think he walked in and made, you know, a, a huge impact in terms of on-ice stuff. But I think, you know, th- there's a little bit of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, just inspirational um, effect that I think having Mark Stone come back provides that I think the Knights are looking for that as much as maybe goals and assists and defensive play from him. Yeah, Dave, you know, Pete last night talked about the team having no quit in them. But my question is, and and I'm sure a lot of fans around the Valley are are wondering the same thing. They may not have any quit in them, but do they have any urgency in them? Like, are you seeing that urgency that, hey, there's only eight games left? And and if you don't win almost all of them, you're not going to be playing in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair question. I mean, I look at that and, you know, like the Chicago game. And, and yeah, it's like, okay, you know, you, you came back, you, you showed some urgency and some desperation, you know, at that particular moment, but just the fact that they were down 4-2 going into the, to the third period, nothing against Vancouver, but you know, I don't think that's a situation that they should have necessarily put themselves in. And yeah, you don't always have control over that, the other team, and, and those players are getting paychecks, you know, over on the other side, too. They're pro hockey players. It's you know, they talk about, you know, it's no easy games, and, and it's cliche, but there is some truth to it. I, you know, Chris, it's, it's hard because, you know, we look at the, the couple games with Vancouver, and it's like, oh, you know, you shouldn't drop, you know, those three points and all of that. And then you look at it in a larger block, and it's like, well, they're, you know, what is it, 6-1-1 one, one, the last eight? Um, so they're, they're accumulating points. They're kind of doing what they need to do, and they weren't going to win, you know, 15 or 16 in a row to close out the season anyway, they were going to lose some games along the way. I I think what's happened though, is like you look at it and you go, okay, like that game is probably a loss. That game is probably a loss. And neither of the Vancouver games were that. And and so now you're in a position where, okay, you've lost the game and now you have to maybe win a game that you originally said, okay, we'll probably mark that one down as an L. So, you know, the Calgary game, the Edmonton game, um, you know, one of those games, maybe on that last trip, some somewhere along the way, they're going to have to make up for for the the points that they've dropped along the way. But you know, I don't know. I don't. It's hard to say. Are they showing the requisite desperation? Like every time you're down, every time you go into the third period in a hole, it's easy to say they're not. But yeah, I, you know, I don't know. It, it does feel like there needs to be a little bit more. Um, of just kind of stepping on their throat a little bit. You know, some of these teams that they let hang around and then, you know, had to, had to bail themselves out at the end. It's just making it harder on themselves than they needed to be, it feels like. 
You know, it's an interesting question that Chris brings up because you, you kind of look at things on the whole and you bring up the Chicago game. Certainly through 40 minutes, there wasn't the urgency that was needed, but in a five-minute span, the Golden Knights were able to conjure something. And then you look at last night's game, and to me, if special teams can come through for you, it's a very different-looking game for the Vegas Golden Knights. There was shot suppression. There was five-on-five dominance. Like The Golden Knights played well enough even strength last night to win a game. You get some more saves and your power play comes through and your penalty kill comes through. And it's, it's a very different outlook for last night's game. So, um, you know, to me, it's not so much urgency. It's just all the facets of the game that need to be clicking on all cylinders. Um, for the Golden Knights all season, it hasn't been there collectively at one period of time. Sometimes power play is going, but then the penalty kill isn't, or it's vice versa, or five-on-five five play isn't where you need it to be, or they're not able to get some goals here and there. Like To me, it's not so much about urgency. It's just, can we get the power play to get going? Can we get the penalty kill to come up with a couple of stops? That would have been the difference yeah. in the game last night. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's where you nailed it on the head for me is, it's just, it's like a season long thing. Like everything you've described, you know, okay, if they just get the, you know, the special teams right and they do this and they, you know, they'll be, but, you know, okay, five on five dominance, all this. Yeah. You know, but it, it feels like it's kind of been that way for, for 70 plus games here, even with the injuries and, and all the other things that, you know, you've talked about and we've talked about, you know, kind of throughout the year. Like it, nothing has, has ever seemed to just kind of click all at the same time, other than, you know, maybe, a couple, you know, a couple weeks in like December, a little bit, you know, a couple weeks there, you know, a few weeks ago, they had like five game winning streak, but mm-hmm. it, it just feels like it's always something. And, and I think maybe that is maybe my biggest concern with this team, even if they do make the postseason, is like they, nothing has really just like come together where we've seen and gone for a stretch of time. They're like, yep, that's the team, that's the one everybody feared. That's what management envisioned or anything like that. They haven't done that yet. And, and I'm, a, uh, I'm a big believer that it's hard to flip that switch. I, I, I don't think that you can just, you know, turn it on whenever you want. I think you have to be playing well and have some rhythm and some chemistry and some mojo going in it. Yeah, it just feels like that's sort of been the thing that you just talked about, Ryan, all year that, that's just sort of if. It's like all it's everything has been an if if they can do this, if they can get healthy, if they can do that. They just haven't been able to to solve that if. So in terms of that and understanding where the Golden Knights are at right now, obviously three points back of the Los Angeles Kings, they do have uh, by the end of the night one game in hand as L.A. will take on Colorado at 630. So if you're a Golden Knights fan, be tuning in for that one for sure. Um, What's the margin for error for this club right now? Feels like maybe one game they can lose. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, seven, seven and one. Like everybody's kind of projected. I think ninety-seven points is kind of that. Yeah. Imaginary cut line for this. So, you know, what is that? Twelve more points that the Golden Knights need in in eight games. Um, so I think that's six and two. Like it feels like feels like seven and one would would you know, probably get them there. Um, it's just, it's like the, the Kings schedule. Yeah. You get past this Colorado game and they don't play anybody, you know, and obviously no. like you can't just automatically chalk those up as wins and all of that, but it just, it feels like there's a lot of ground for the Knights to make up even more so than like what the, the actual standings 
kind of say, but you know, here's the other thing too. And I, and you know, Ben Goats and I talked about this on our podcast. I'll plug that, you know, for a quick second. Um, is just kind of this idea, you know, down the stretch and whatever of, of, you know, what they need to do and what these, what these other teams need to do, you know, around them. Um, and just kind of whether that's even going to be enough. And I mean, one of the things, you know, this week coming up, these two games, I mean, you know, for me, there's an element of, yes, you have to win. Yes, you need points. Yes, you need to stay in the race. But, like, there also needs to be something for me of, you know, can you match up against Edmonton and, and Calgary? Like, can you show that you can even beat one of these teams even if you do get to the to the postseason? Because, you know, again, for me, it's it's a matter of, like, it's got to happen quick, <laughs> you know? Like, there's no – there's just – there's no there's no margin for error anymore. Um just because these other teams around them, you know, Dallas keeps winning, Nashville keeps winning, LA keeps winning, and it just, you know, no matter what they do, they're just they're going to need help. I think that's probably the easiest way to say it at this point. You know, David, when when I look back, and and obviously you can't go back and and replay games or change things that happened during the course of games, but when I look back, if this team fails to make the playoffs. There's a five-game stretch, and look, I, I know you could say they lost seven straight on the road or whatever it was, but I look back to that that stretch where they played Philadelphia, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Columbus, and Winnipeg. Only one of those teams are going to make the playoffs, and you lost to four of them, four, the, the, the four that aren't going to make the playoffs. So is it is that almost like a microcosm of this season, just the lack of consistency, losing games that maybe they shouldn't have lost, Losing games to bad teams. I mean, is it is it as simple as just looking at that and saying, "Yeah, that's it. That's why this team failed to make the playoffs." Um. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, I mean, I think you can always go back and you know look at drop points and games that you know they shouldn't have lost and all that. Yeah. It just feels like this has been sort of an ongoing thing with them. You know, from from day one, where you know they 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 got out of the shoot what one and four. Um, there was just games all along the way that it just feels like they've been, you know, dropping points and dropping games that they they shouldn't have. Yeah, I mean, it. it I think there's a. I think there's a lot of different ways, you know, maybe to say probably what what you and I are saying, Chris. It's the you know the same thing. Like it's just the inconsistency. You know, like it, it hasn't been there all year um, in terms of just. You know, finding your game and all that. Like, but you know, the funny thing here's the flip side too. I'm not even. I don't even know, and it's hard for me to judge like where the team is at right this second. You know, because the Arizona game is just like I, I think Ben called it like a free bingo game. You know, free space. It was like a free win. <laughs> like I just think that's totally right. You know, but like I don't think you learn anything from that. And then last night, like there were some spurts and, and some moments where like like you said earlier, Ryan, they're dominating. Yeah. You know, you yeah. look at the five-on-five shots and the shots, shot attempts and all that, and, you know, if you get a couple more saves, if you get a, you know, a penalty kill, if you get this, you know, all those ifs that you were talking about. So it, it does feel like a lot of this is sort of their doing. I mean, obviously the injuries and all that. But, yeah, Chris, I, I do think there are just some, uh, some games along the way where, you know, maybe they didn't take a team seriously or maybe they just, you know, situation wasn't right, but – there's been games where, where they just haven't played well and they need to play well. And I think that road trip, especially that, that you mentioned, if they don't make it, that, that I think is going to be 
you know, a, a four to five game stretch where we all point to is, is when they really just kind of buried their own chances, I think. Dave Shane with the Las Vegas Review Journal joining us here on the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. So, Dave, we've kind of mentioned a couple of times here getting saves and for the Golden Knights, uh, Robin Leonard last night, to me, to my eyes, did not look comfortable in net. Do you think that there's any, I don't want to say goalie controversy or, or decision in Pete DeBoer's mind who's going tomorrow against the Calgary Flames in net. Do you think it'll be Robin Leonard, or do you think that perhaps Logan Thompson gets into a game just simply because when you look at everything, Robin doesn't look like himself right now? Yeah, you know, and I think this is, this is probably the hardest thing for Pete DeBoer right now not the lines or anything like that it's figuring out the goaltending i think um because for that reason you know look you know i'm not gonna everybody i think you know fans and all that i don't know if you guys have talked about it but like you know that picture was going around you know of the fan at the game and all that and like you know people can say whatever they want about robin leonard and all that but like he's the first choice goaltender he's the guy that they invested in he's the guy that they said you know, okay, you're our number one guy. And I think when you get into crunch time, eight games left, and you're trying to make the playoffs, that's the guy you have to ride. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the guy who, who you know, you got to hit your wagon to and say, okay, get us to the promised land. Now, if he doesn't get the job done, then I think probably some ramifications, you know, of that would happen in the off season. And, you know, you can kind of read into that however you want. But I do think there's an element of like, you know, he's the guy. He's, he is the, the one that they said, okay, you know, we're, we're putting our faith on Robin Leonard. And so to, to go and turn and say, you know, okay, well, he struggled and we're in the fight of our life, so we're going to put in our third-string goaltender. As good as Logan Thompson has played, I, I, I just struggle with that. I could see him getting a spot start like the New Jersey game coming up, you know, something like, I don't think Leonard can play every game. Maybe he can, but I just, I just feel, and this is just me. Like if I'm Pete DeBoer, I kind of, you know, maybe grit my teeth a little bit and write, you know, Robin Leonard's name on that lineup card, take a deep breath and, you know, turn it in. But, but I just feel like he's got to be the guy. I don't know. What do you, what do you feel like? Cause I'm terrible admittedly when it comes to like predicting this goalie stuff and like, you know, kind of feeling it out. So here's my thought process on it. Like, I think Robin Leonard's the guy, right? Like, I, I, I agree with everything that you just said. You've got a $5 million goaltender who historically has been better than average, like among top 15 in the league in amongst all the different categories that you're going to choose to evaluate goaltenders, like goal saved above average, goal saved above expected, save percentage, all that stuff. Like Robin Leonard's body of work in the NHL on bad teams, bad defensive teams, has uh, proof of concept that he is an above average goaltender in the NHL. Is he healthy? Like that's the only question that I have, right? Like is Robin just like healthy enough to play or is he close to 100 percent? because i think that there's there's 
we're becoming aware that the two things are not mutually exclusive. You can be healthy enough to play, but not be close to 100%. To me, when it comes to Robin, in in, in his reads, I don't feel like he's comfortable in, in trusting his reads. I don't feel like he's comfortable in his movement. So when you take all of that into account, I think if, if there's a question that he's hampered by something that's preventing him from playing to his to his level, then I, I think that there's an opportunity to open up the door for Logan Thompson. But it'll be 13 days since Logan Thompson last played, and while he was hot, uh, you look at kind of the teams that he was doing it against, Seattle twice, the Chicago Blackhawks, like there's, there's a, a very real desire to say, well maybe the magic's gone, maybe Logan won't have it against a team, say, like the Calgary Flames, that are tops in the Pacific Division. So I think it's going to be Robin Leonard. I think if he's healthy enough to play, you're going to ride him as much as possible. But I do think that if it doesn't work the way you want it to tomorrow in Calgary, given the fact that Edmonton is a 1 o'clock start time, I think that you can talk yourself into Logan Thompson starting in Edmonton because it's a quicker turnaround, and I'm not sure the dirt, that, that if, if you're Robin Leonard, you want to play him in those, in those two games back-to-back. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I think you know what, what happens in this upcoming game will probably determine you know, a lot of what Pete DeBoer does coming up here. I mean, again, you know, some of this too is like, I don't want this to come out as a knock on Logan Thompson or anything. Like he was at NHL goaltender of the year last year. And, you know, I think if nothing else, at the very least he's proven, you know, that, that he's probably won an NHL job last year is, or next year, excuse me, yeah. you know, it's probably their backup. So like, I don't mean this in any sort of slight to him or, or whatever. And like, I'm very aware that, you know, the Blues were in last place and threw in a goaltender who, you know, was kind of unheralded, and Jordan Bennington took him to a Stanley Cup. And, like, I get that that's a reach to make a Logan Thompson-Jordan Bennington comparison, but to me this is just more about, like, where where you are as an organization and what you've invested in and, and sort of said, hey, this is our guy. Because I think if you go away from it, unless behind the scenes there's an injury that everybody's aware of, yeah. I think it just sends a message. As much as Robin Leonard has always said, hey, best guy plays, I'm always about that, I just don't think you can send that message, you know, and then, and then expect Robin Leonard to, like, have confidence that the organization is backing him in the offseason and then, like, going in, into next year. I just think it would send, you know, such a, such a terrible message in, in that regard. But, again, I'm just I'm so bad with the goalie stuff when it. When it comes to trying to figure this stuff out, and again, I, I agree with you with, to the point of the injury stuff. You know mm-hmm. that that there's been the reports. You know the torn labrum, uh, whatever the lower body injury was, and, and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, there is probably something more to why Robin Leonard looked as uncomfortable as he did, and you know, unfortunately, we probably won't hear the whole story until after the season, really. You know, David, I'm, I'm I'm one of those weird guys where I'm always trying to draw parallels and 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 find comparisons, and I kind of look at Robin Leonard a lot of a lot like the way the fan base looked at at Derek Carr as quarterback of the Raiders, right? Because be, at the beginning of the season, there was there was that uncertainty, and a lot of the fan base. Fortunately, we have the Raider Nation Radio here, so I, I was able to listen to some of it. They were a bit divided on Derek Carr, and even when the team wasn't losing games because of Derek Carr. It seemed like he took a big blunt of the of the blame in that situation, and if I feel like that's kind of the same with Leonard, where yeah, there, there's nights where he's not at his best, but 
the team didn't lose all these games because of Robin Leonard's play. The other aspect of it is Marc-Andre Fleury made a gaffe that some people will say cost you an opportunity to, to play for the Stanley Cup. So I guess I'm just, I'm still having a difficult time, and maybe you have a better pulse on it than I do, as to why the fan base cannot let go of Marc-Andre Fleury and why they are having such a difficult time embracing Robin Leonard, because I think Robin Leonard is a really good goalie, and I watch him play, and I think he's a likable guy, and he does a lot of really commendable things. So in your opinion, why do you think the fan base, not all of them, but the guy like we saw with that shirt is having such a difficult time letting go and and really having some uncalled-for animosity and dislike towards the guy? So that's one of the things I've had the, the biggest struggle with, just trying to figure out kind of the psychology behind it and sort of, you know, get in the mind of fans with all of this because I really don't understand it. Uh, like, I'll leave the, the the personal stuff out of it in terms of just like, you know, off the ice and what what folks think of him versus Flurry. Like, but I, I do think where maybe I'm a little more comfortable talking about is like the on the ice stuff because I've heard this from fans and sort of overheard it and whatever is for whatever reason there is something aesthetic about watching Marc-Andre Fleury that people like, the just the flopping, the windmill saves, and, like, like it, it just, they, the fan base early on needed to see somebody having fun playing the game and all that. And Leonard is so different, you know, and, and he's, when he's playing at his best, he's calm, he's not flashy, and when he's out of position, it, for whatever reason, it looks worse than, like, when Fleury was out of position, and I don't understand like the confirmation bias that, that fans have and why they're, you know, like the comments I got last night were just my email constantly, you know, mm. about that last goal and how he was like laying on his stomach and all this. It's like, go back and look at the play and like look at the sequence leading up to that and what happened with Quinn Hughes and like why he was on the, the ice where he was, you know, Robin Leonard. Like there's so much more to it. And, I know when Logan Thompson made that comment about the goaltending coaches in his basement, like, you know, we all got a laugh out of it and there was some sarcasm there and whatever, but like, I also know that there was some sort of, you know, some truth. He was kind of spinning with that. And there, there was some real venom with it that hmm. there seems to be. And I look, other fan bases are like this too. It's not exclusive to Vegas, but there are just a lot of people here that suddenly think, they're goaltending experts, and and everybody's entitled to their opinion, and that's fine. And if you like watching one guy versus watching another guy, you know, cool. Like that's that's totally up to you. But I, I feel like I go back to what you said earlier, Ryan, about Rob Leonard and all of the numbers, and to to say that that Leonard is like not up to snuff, or that he's not good enough, or he like that. That's the part that's ridiculous to me. Like he's proven. Yeah over the last few years, who he is and what he can do. And so, uh, yeah, Chris, I'll just, I'll never understand that. I'll, I'll be very curious to see what happens in the next, like, you know, little bit here, um, if they make the playoffs. And then if there's a change in the offseason, I, I don't know. I mean, look, I don't want to read too much into this, but Robin Leonard deleting his Twitter and some of the comments he made, like, it makes me wonder if Robin Leonard wants to be here. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think there's any indication that he doesn't, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, with all the flack that he's catching if he just was just like, I don't want to be here anymore. 
No, that's an interesting point. I, I mean, the the climate here and really surrounding goaltenders wherever is always going to be a lightning rod of it, if you win, you're you're great. Everything went well. You did what you were supposed to do. If you end up losing, then you're going to pick apart every single goal and look for fault wherever you want to. But I think your point, yeah. Dave, about um, the aesthetics, right? The 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 pleasing um, nature of seeing a goaltender make a windmill save, and doesn't really matter if that goaltender is out of position by by four feet, the fact that they were able to make the windmill save or the fact that the player shot it directly into their glove automatically makes you think that, that somehow they're trying harder, which is, you know, it, it, at, profe- at the professional level in the National Hockey League to think that players aren't trying hard every single time they're on the ice, that's something I can't wrap my head around. But Dave, thank you for, for jumping on here, for spending the, 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 you know, the better part of, of a half an hour with us. Can you tell people what you're working on right now, where people can find your stuff? Yeah, first off, thanks for having me on. It's it's good to chat. So uh, yeah. everything we do, ReviewJournal.com, uh, the Golden Knights section. Um, ben Goat's actually writing a story today just kind of about the Knights having sort of their super team together and, and you know, everything needed to come together really quick here that they just don't have a lot of time, a lot of margin for error, sort of, you know, all the stuff we've talked about. And, yeah, we'll have some other stuff, too. I think we have a uh, – we've got a podcast coming up with a special guest this week, so – Everybody can uh, stay tuned for that. I won't give it away, but it, it'll be something everybody will enjoy too. So, All right, great stuff. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we will uh, chat with you, I'm sure, one more time before the end of the regular season and hopefully gearing up for a playoff run. Right on. Have a great show. Take care, guys. That's Dave Shane with the Las Vegas Review Journal. I, I thought his his commentary on Robin Leonard and, and, and fans and and kind of where that divide takes place is an interesting one. Chapman, I, I think later on in the show we're going to kind of dig into that a little bit deeper because I think there's a lot of truth to what Dave said. But let's take a break. When we come back, it is the power play to the playoffs, and we bring in Daryl Evans with the Los Angeles Kings radio broadcast team to give us a primer on. The team, the Golden Knights, are likely to take over should they make the playoffs. The BGK Insiders Power Play to the Playoffs here on Fox Sports Las Vegas is being brought to you by the iconic Sahara Las Vegas. Power Play to the Playoffs. The Vegas Golden Knights sit three points back of the Los Angeles Kings. L.A. in action tonight against Colorado Avalanche in Colorado. And as we see it here, the Golden Knights, if their path to the playoffs is clear, it's clearest in the Pacific Division. And so we brought in Daryl Evans with the LA Kings radio broadcast team to give us an idea of the importance of tonight's game for LA for sure, but also where he sees the playoff race between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Los Angeles Kings. Daryl, thank you so much on a busy game day for taking some time to chat with us today. Always a pleasure to catch up with you guys. And uh, yeah, you know, it's the fun time of the year. You know, all these games are meaningful and it's, it's great to see uh, that it's been quite a race, uh, you know, for the last, uh, you know, it's probably been about the last month or so that this race has been going on with a number of teams. And, you know, the time is uh, running down, but uh, the intensity in the games and the, mean, the meaning of the games is, uh, is magnified that much more at this stage. 
So let's let's kind of take it from the beginning of the season and, and kind of your expectations for for what the Kings were going to be this year. Did you see this step taken, or, or did you see this step being taken this year by this club? You know, when the season started out, you know, looking at the additions of guys like Deneau, Arvidsson, and uh, mm-hmm. Edler, you know, I felt the Kings made significant moves uh, to improve their team. Uh, it allowed players to slot into different positions and probably play in a role that was more fitting towards them than having guys play, you know, out of their element and uh, expecting more from them. So, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, I thought they could contend for a playoff spot. Uh, you know, I, I said at the beginning of the year that, you know, I felt that, you know, they, they get themselves anywhere from 88 to 92 points, that that would be a real solid year for them and a step in the right direction. And then, you know, also in the back of my mind, I'm saying that, you know, if you get to, you know, 94, 95 points or something like that and you don't make it, then, you know, sometimes you have to applaud the other teams that uh, that uh, got more points than you did. So I think the Kings are, um, you know, I wasn't expecting all the injuries that they went through. And, you know, when the injuries came about, uh, maybe the expectations came down a little bit. But I think it's showing the character of the team. And we've got a chance to see some of the growth of some of these other players, uh, guys like Kempe, Moore, uh, and how much of an impact that they've had on the team. So, um, they're kind of sitting where, you know, where I thought and, you know, kind of hoped that they would be at this time of year. And, uh, now it's a matter of, you know, finishing it off and getting to the promise. You know, for a, a team that, that could be making the playoffs this year and kind of the jump that they have made. And then you mentioned, obviously the injuries, uh, you need to have a firm foundation behind the bench to be able to kind of overcome those. And uh, the, the job Todd McClellan's done this year, I, I think has, I don't want to say it's been undersold or, or 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 anything like that, but do you feel like Todd's getting enough recognition for the job that he has done this year with LA? No, I don't think he has. Uh, you know, I think he's done a remarkable job. You know, you look, you go back to the beginning of the year in the first week or so there when they lost Dowdy and and Walker, and you know, and then Edler went down shortly after that. And you know, with Dowdy and you know Walker at that time, both a couple of months, Edler a couple of months at that time. Uh, you know, and then Walker eventually became, you know, for the entire season. But uh, to be able to, you know, put a system in place uh, to have so many young guys come in and, and, and thrive in, it's a credit to he and his coaching staff. They've done a great job with, with the young guys, uh, the amount of rookies that have come in and played their first NHL games this year. And then at one time, just a couple of few weeks ago, they had as many as 10 guys, uh, you know, 10 regulars on the, on the, uh, on the IR, and, and that included – from the opening night roster, uh, there was games that they did not have one defenseman in the lineup started on opening night. So uh, I think it's a credit to the coaching staff. And I think, you know, that it has gone overlooked that, you know, what kind of a job that they've done to be able to keep this team together and uh, to establish an identity and uh, to be able to put players in, uh, in roles, trust them, allow them to be able to grow, knowing that they're going to make mistakes, but still trust that, uh, that you can get more at the other end, and, and they've been able to do that. So, yeah, definitely a credit to you know Tom McCullough and the coaching staff. I think they deserve a lot more credit than, than is being shown right now, and uh, they've done a great job at communicating with the players and getting the most out of the players, and that's, that's what coaches have to do. You know, they almost have to come like a psychologist a little bit, uh, you know, treating all of the players different, and there's been a lot of new players. So for them to be able to create those type of relationships to get the results that they're getting is, uh, is, is quite a feat. You mentioned Phil Deneau, and I think at the time of the signing, everyone said, wow, that's a really good signing for the L.A. Kings. But just how big of a signing has that actually been? I mean, because when I look at it, it was probably the most impactful free agent signing of, of the 2021 class. You know, I had, you know I, I've always liked Deneau as a player. I didn't know that he had the offense that he's had, that he's shown this year. Uh, but a great two-way player, 
Um, you know, playing probably, you know, maybe a little bit of an elevated role when the season started. I think everybody thought that, you know, he's more like a checking type of guy. But I think the Kings right off the bat, you know, in, uh, you know, the, the age of Byfield and, you know, the inexperience that he had, that they wanted a little bit more depth in that one-two punch up the middle with, uh, with Kopitar. And that's exactly what uh, Dano has been able to provide. You look at the, you know, the minutes that he plays, he plays in all the critical situations, power play, penalty kill, you know, up a goal, down a goal. Um, and he's, he's done a great job. And, you know, they've put a line together with Arvidsson and, and Moore that has been their best line since December 1, leading the team in scoring over a goal a game between that unit. And uh, a lot of it has to do with Dano. He's just such a calming factor, so predictable, know exactly where he's going to be. You know, he gets underneath guys. He, you know, he protects pucks well. He competes out there, and he brings the best out of everybody. So he's been, he's been a great addition. And, you know, I know a lot of teams in the, in the last month or so as we've kind of made the circuit everybody said that you know he that king's got a real gem there in, in that deal and and i and i believe they have i mean he's a player that you know he's, he's coming into the prime of his career and uh, i still think he's got some upside some area to be able to grow in his game but his value to the team he's fit in nicely the guys on the team love him the coaching staff you know really enjoy him and and the and the fans appreciate him so it's uh it's been a win-win not only for phil but uh for, for the kings as well Los Angeles Kings radio broadcaster Daryl Evans joining us here on the VGK Insider Show. And, you know, you mentioned the injuries, and, and obviously when you're without Drew Doughty for a while, you need some some young defensemen to kind of fill in and fill a role. And to me, Sean Dursey ha- has been that guy for L.A. I think the offensive upside, the instincts that he has in the offensive zone, they're fantastic. But when you watch him play, there's an edge to his game that I think uh, maybe goes a little bit unnoticed. Uh, What's the maturation of Sean Dursey been like for this uh, this team this year? Oh, it's been it's been great. Uh, you know, for have for have him come in and uh, had the impact. You know, first of all, you, you've got to be given an opportunity. And you know, on his first, uh, you know, on first when he got recalled, you know, you look at that time. You know, guys like Walker and Dowdy all of a sudden came out of the mix. So that opened up a door where he was able to put together some of his greatest assets, and that was being put on the power play to be able to quarter power quarterback a power play unit and that's what he was doing on down in Ontario and you know through the course of the year Ontario you know they had the number one power play in the American Hockey League and a lot to do with you know a guy like he and then eventually later uh following him uh, getting recalled was was Jordan Spence but uh Dursey's got great instincts uh you know he he sees the game unlike a lot of the other defensemen that you know the Kings have in their, in their on their roster um you know he's uh some might say he's a high risk high reward type of guy but I think the growth in his defensive part of his game has been really, really nice, and I think that's what's really matured the most. Uh, you know, aside from the points that he's put up, you know, with 26 points, you know, basically a half a point a game guy, uh, the defensive part of his game is really growing. And you know, you talk about that edge that he plays with. He wants to contribute every night. Uh, you know, he, he takes a lot upon himself. He wants to be that guy in that edge. And you know, sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes you try to do a little bit too much as a young guy. And you know, but he, he, as a coach and, you know, as somebody that's, you know, watching the game, you appreciate that kind of stuff. You don't ever want to fault a guy from that. And he learns from, you know, the mistakes that he makes. That's why he can, continues to keep getting put out there. So uh, he's been he's been a real bright spot because if you look at, you know, had the season gone regular, he's probably, when, you know, when the year started, he was probably number 10, you know, 9 or 10 on the depth chart. You know, he may never have got a game had it been like a normal type of year where guys are just going in and out for a couple of games here and there. But he found a spot, and to his credit, he's taken advantage of it. And not only has he made himself uh, an every-night player, but he's made himself an every-night impact player, and uh, the Kings have been able to benefit from that. 
So with with LA where they're at right now in the standings, third in the Pacific Division, you've got Colorado tonight. Like, and then you look at the rest of the schedule for the Golden Knights. There are never easy games in the NHL, but everything else on on Los Angeles's schedule is teams out of the playoff, below the playoff cut line. So how important is this game tonight for the Los Angeles Kings in their quest to create more separation from the Vegas Golden Knights in this playoff race? Well, you always, you know, you always want to create as much separation as possible. Um, you know, the Kings have been a really good road team all year, and they've been a team that always elevates their game against, you know, an opponent that is above them in the standings. Uh, sometimes the toughest games at this time of the year are to play against the teams like, you know, the Kings are going to face in the next while. You know, you look at the trade deadline, certain teams unloaded, you know, a bunch of guys. You've got different people in, in you know, on the rosters. When you're playing against these guys, you've got guys that are auditioning for jobs for next year, so it makes it very difficult. Players that you're not familiar with uh, that might you know, not quite have fit the system that that team played before that. So these are real, really challenging games for the Kings. Uh, there's, no, there's nothing easy. Uh, there's, there's no, nobody's going to roll over. Everybody in the NHL, you know, right from the team with the most points to the team with the fewest points, takes a lot of pride in their game. Uh, you know, they're, they're not going to roll over and play dead. And uh, the teams want nothing to do better than to be a spoiler at this time of year. And so the Kings have their work cut out for them. It's a one-game mentality, you know, starting tonight with uh, Colorado. They've got their work cut out for them. Uh, you know, the Avalanche are a team that are looking, trying to set a, you know, a franchise record for the most wins in a season. Um, you know, and uh, the Kings will, uh, you know, the Kings are got their, they got their hands full, but they'll, uh, they'll rise to the occasion. And I think the most important thing is, aside from the result, is, for the Kings to play their game because if they play their game, that'll roll over to other games. And you want to you, you want a good feeling when you come out of a game that knowing that you played well. And sometimes you're going to play your best game and you're not you know, you're not going to win. It, that's just a fact, and that, that's regardless of who you're playing against. So it's a matter of how you play. Uh, go out there, compete, give yourself a chance, and I expect the Kings to get you know to give that type of an effort here tonight. You know, Daryl, I think a lot of people when they looked at the Kings roster this year, they 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 saw a team that was kind of. Maybe building for the future. Obviously, a lot of these younger players that they had stocked up over the last couple of years are just starting to to become full time NHL players. But I guess, when, when, how much disappointment would there be? Because I know obviously nobody wants to look to the future when you're in the middle of a playoff race. But how much disappointment would there be if this team did not make the playoffs? And and how excited is the fan base and the team for the future? Well, I think the fan base is very excited for you know for the future. Um, you know, you, you still look at, you know, the players, uh, you know, that are have, have kind of made that step. You know, there's still a, you know, a first round pick in Turcotte, you know, that is down um, in, in Ontario. A couple of other players in Ontario, a couple, you know, their first round pick from last year in Clark. Um, you know, so there, there's a lot of optimism moving forward. This team has definitely turned the corner and they flipped the page. Uh, it, this, is, this is a team with expectations now, not hopes. And it's a matter of, you know, these players stepping up and, and taking advantage of them, make you know, make the best out of the time that they've had right now, and and, and they're doing that. It's uh, they've learned a lot about a lot of these young kids, and I would expect Rob Blake along with Luke Robitaille that when the off season comes, that uh, they'll be pretty aggressive in their conversations as to you know the pieces that they feel that they need to you know to take them to the next level. You know, regardless of what happens in this season, uh, you know the Kings won't be content uh, you know to sit to sit still. Uh, you know, even if you go all the way and win. You know the Kings are looking for you know for years to come, and uh, they've got uh, they've got a good foundation now. They've paid the price over the last few years, but now uh, through the scouts and the uh, management, upper management, the coaching staff, the development team, 
they put together a, a real good platform for this team to be able to, you know, thrive and exceed and succeed uh, succeed in uh, for a number of years to come. Uh, you know, starting as as early as the you know the the present right now. You know, Daryl, I, I I can't really thank you enough for for spending. Uh... Uh, more than uh, enough time with us here on on a, again a game day a big game day for the for the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, thanks for jumping on here for giving us a little bit more insight into uh, the Kings, uh, the team that the Golden Knights are chasing down in their quest for the playoffs. And it's going to be a heck of a race. It, it should be really fun down the. Um, enjoy it and uh, and hopefully we can get you on the program again here soon. All right, all the best. I appreciate it. All the best to you guys as well. It's going to be uh, a heck of a battle and. Uh... I look forward to catching up with you guys again a little bit later here as this race continues for the next couple of weeks. Fantastic stuff. That is Daryl Evans with the Los Angeles Kings Radio Network. Uh, Daryl does a fantastic job uh, in everything that he does with with the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, His insights about the game are phenomenal. And as we've been talking about here, and I've been really beating this drum for about a week and a half, two weeks, the team that the Golden Knights are, are aiming to chase down here is Los Angeles. So that gives you an insight into where the Kings are right now, the the big games remaining on their calendar. And, and to me, this one against Colorado is so incredibly important, uh, not just for Los Angeles, but for the Vegas Golden Knights. You're hopeful, if you're a Vegas Golden Knights fan, that the Kings do not find any points against Colorado because when you look at the schedule for Los Angeles down the stretch versus what it is for the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, it is going to be easier for Los Angeles to find points, for Los Angeles to find wins, that it's going to be for the Vegas Golden Knights by class of opponent. So the push for this playoff run, the the power play to the playoffs for the Vegas Golden Knights, it comes down to Vegas and Los Angeles, and we just got an inside scoop as to what it's going to look like over the final two and a half weeks for both clubs. This has been the power play to the playoffs brought to you by Sahara. We're back with the play of the day next on the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. That was the BGK Insiders Power Play to the Playoffs, brought to you by the iconic Sahara Las Vegas, here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. No chance to shoot for Stevenson, centered, Eichel scores! It's time for the play of the day on the BGK Insiders Show. VGK Insider Show play of the day, and we only had one place to go here. It's Shea Theodore picking up his second goal of the third period to secure an important point for the Vegas Golden Knights. Pass goes to Marcia Sill, behind and for Eichel. The left sidewall, up top Petrangelo, to the right, Theodore shoots, he scores! 41 seconds to go, Theodore scores his second of the period, 4-4 tie! Just a massive play from Shea Theodore, who absolutely loves playing in Vancouver, Pacific Northwest, anywhere uh, in that region. Shea Theodore continues to put up points, continues to come through with some clutch plays, and none more clutch than that one. I I think we should also highlight the save that Robin Leonard made moments before on Elias Pettersson. Uh, When you talk about uncomfortability in net, when you talk about, you know, allowing five goals, yeah, it's easy to kind of look at the negatives all the time. But uh, if not for that Robin Leonard save, the the Golden Knights will not get a point out of that game last night. So you get a you get a point. It's not ideal, but it is something. And when you were trailing by two goals going into the third period, you'll take any points in the standings you can get. We're back with hour number two on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.